Tonight, the topic of the talk is the Mangala Sutta. Probably some of you would know that the Mangala Sutta is the most, said to be the most popular of all the Pali chants. It is the most popular because uh, it is, uh, in a way, you could say it's better than striking a lottery. It is teaching us how to be wealthy. Uh, but this wealth we get, eh? Is inside of us, lah. So it is not obvious, lah. And unlike a lottery, yeah, where you strike and immediately you can see the money, lah. This uh, wealth we get from the Mangala Sutta, we carry with us uh, to our next few lifetimes, lah. So because of that, yeah, it is very popular. And not only humans are interested in this kind of uh, uh, wealth. Huh? Here it is called blessings, la. blessings or merit. La. Uh, punya is a Pali word. <clears throat> but uh, this uh, we sometimes can see the benefit even in this lifetime. And probably some of you have heard this chant before. It starts off, if I chant the Pali, it goes like this. Evame sutang ekang samayang bhagava savatiyang viharati jetavane anatta pindika saarame atako anyatara devata abhikanta yaratiya Abhikantavana kevalaka pangjetavana obasetava, etc. Et so, <clears throat> these uh, blessings, uh, and not only human beings are interested in it, but devas are also interested in it. Uh, heavenly beings, uh, celestial beings. Uh, and this sutta, was spoken by the Buddha at the request of a deva. Because devas, eh, they, more, they know eh, more things than we human beings know. Eh. So this deva knew that the Buddha, the enlightened one, is here on the earth. And he took the opportunity eh, to get advice from the Buddha how to get the highest blessings eh, so that he will reap eh, this reward. Eh, uh, this life and in the future lives. So, uh, that is why this chant is very popular. You can also say it's very auspicious. So, whenever we do some uh, auspicious, uh, we have some auspicious occasion uh, where you invite monks to the house because you want to get blessings and all that. Uh, or sometimes some you have some event, somebody's uh, birthday or something in the house where everybody's happy and you want to get a lot of blessings. Eh? So this is one of the chants eh, that the monks will do. Like. Now, I will read <coughs> the English translation of this chant eh, and then uh, try to explain the terms eh. Thus have I heard. That's the equivalent of Eva Me Su Tang. In Chinese, is Ru Si Wo Wen. At one time, the exalted one, the Bhagawa, was staying near Savati in Jeta's Grove at Anatta Pindika's Pa. I stop here for a moment to explain some of the terms. Huh? Um, most of our sutta, in fact, all of our suttas, huh, are supposed to start with these words. Like, Thus have I heard. And then here the exalted one is a translation for the word Bhagawa. 
the Buddha had ten, uh, you could say ten epithets, ten names. Lah. The Bhagawa is one of them. Lah. And the Bhagawa is the one probably used most lah, by people lah, in addressing the Buddha. Lah. Uh, here is translated as the exalted one. Elsewhere, it could be translated as the blessed one. And in Chinese, it's uh, Se Chun. I uh, was staying near Savati. Savati is a place where the Buddhas uh, used to go quite frequently. He spent most of his vasas, uh, rains, periods uh, at Savati. In Jeta's Grove, not, uh, this Jetavane. This Jeta was a prince, la, and uh, he owned this grove, la, this uh, kind of forest area. And this man called Anatta Pindika bought this grove from this prince Jeta, so that's why it's called Jeta's Grove. And it's also called Anatta Pindika's Park or Monastery. Here the word is Ara, Arame or Arama. Is a is a word for a, a monastery, yeah. and uh, there are a few uh, ways of calling a monastery. Arama is one, Vihara is another one, Avasa is another one. This word Avasa, uh, the Thais have shortened it to Avasa can also be said to be Awasa. And they shorten it to Awat, Awat, and then later they call it Wat. Uh, <clears throat> this man, Anatta Pindika, he was a very uh, generous person, a philanthropist, uh, and he used to build this orphanage. Uh, that's why he was given the name Anatta Pindika, uh, one who helps the orphans. Uh, Actually, his real name was a bit different, but people used to call him Anatta Pindikala. So at one time, the exalted one was staying near Savati in Jeta's Grove at Anatta Pindika's Park. Is this uh, microphone working? Can you all hear me? <laughs> then a certain Devata or Deva, a heavenly being, eh? in the night's last extreme, whose extreme brilliance lighted up the whole of Jeta's grove, approached the Exalted One. Having approached the Exalted One and revered Him, He stood to one side. i just stop here for a moment. So this uh, Deva, uh, sometimes these Devas used to come to see the Buddha in the night. Uh, because in the night, normally, uh, human beings won't be coming to see the Buddha. Most people will be sleeping at night. Uh. So the devas would come at night uh, when nobody was around, and it's uh, you, can, uh, you are able to speak to the Buddha personally. Uh. So sometimes, like some of the women, uh, arahans, uh, arahan nuns, uh, uh, some of them, like Upalavana, the nun with the greatest psychic power, uh, she also would come and see the Buddha at night uh, because uh, nobody's around. Uh, not uh, uh, the Buddha is free. Uh. <clears throat> so, uh, like this Upalavana, because she had great psychic power, uh, she would fly in the air, uh, fly, and then uh, come to see the Buddha. So, in the same way, these devas also flew uh, and came to see the Buddha. So, when they came, uh, their brilliance, uh, their light. Uh, uh, would illuminate the whole of the monastery. La. But this light that illuminated the whole monastery, maybe only those uh, who had psychic power could see. Mm. Uh, then, having approached the exalted one and revered him, he stood to one side. You see, these devas, when they after they pay respect to the Buddha, and they want to speak to the Buddha, they stand to one side and then they speak to the Buddha. This is their way of showing respect. Uh, just like I heard, uh, it seems like this uh, was told, like some of these uh, Western monks uh, in England, uh, when the Sri Lankans come to see the monk, uh, the monk is sitting down, then the Sri Lankans would come pay respect to the monk, uh, then they stand and talk to the monk. 
And then the Thais would come, pay respect, and then they sit down lower than the monk and talk to the monk. So it's a different, uh, they have different convention. To the Sri Lankan, when you sit down, it's not respectful. You have to be, sta- you be standing to be respectful. But to the Thais, uh, standing up so high is not respectful. You have to be sit lower than the monk. So it's all different uh, convention. So this, uh, for the Deva, they, they think uh, standing uh, is more respectful. Uh. Standing there to one side, that Devata addressed the Exalted One in verses. Many Devas and men have pondered on blessings, longing for safety. Tell them the highest blessing. So, so here, I stop here for a moment to, to comment. Eh? So here this Deva is saying that many heavenly beings eh, and human beings eh, have wondered eh, how to get blessings eh, because they long for safety. Eh. So he asked the Buddha to tell how to get the highest blessing. The highest blessing here is Mangala Muttamang. Consists of two words, Mangala and Uttamang. Uttama and we know the Malay word Uttama is the first. Eh? first. So here it means also the supreme, lah, the highest. Lah. So Mangalam Uttamang, the highest blessing. Uh, here onwards, you you will be listening to the Buddha's advice. Lah. The first advice the Buddha said, Asevana cha balanang. Asevana is not to associate. Lah. Sevana is to associate. Not to associate with Bala. Bala is fools. Not to associate with fools. With the wise to associate. And to honor the honorable or those worthy of honor. This is the highest blessing. Uh, This is the first four verses. uh, The Buddha speaks four verses uh, each time. So the first advice he said is not to associate with fools. The Buddha did say uh, in a few other suttas uh, that our friends are very important. The type of people we associate with, the type of people we mix with. Uh, the Buddha said, birds of the same feather flock together. He didn't say exactly like this English saying, but he, his meaning was this. Uh, uh, birds of the same feather flock together. So if we mix with evil people, we will also acquire evil habits and we will walk their way. If you mix with wise people, then you will also uh, get some wisdom and you walk the way of the wise. So who are fools and who are wise people? In the Dhamma, <coughs> fools are those who, who do not understand the Dhamma. Because they do not understand the Dhamma, they do not practice the Dhamma. And if they do not practice the Dhamma, that means they are walking the way eh, that will bring them to a bad rebirth, to a rebirth in one of the three woeful planes. Mm -hmm. The Buddha said that we, when we die, eh, we can be reborn in five possible places. The best is heaven. There are many levels of heaven. And then below that is the human realm. Uh, we can be reborn in the human realm. That's the second. And then after that, uh, three are the woeful planes below the human realm. What are these three places? Slightly worse than the human realm is the ghost realm. The ghost realm is a realm where people without sufficient blessings uh, uh, with very little blessings, eh? they are reborn there because they don't have enough, uh, have not done enough good deeds. But worse than the ghost realm is the animal realm. Uh, animal realm, uh, those people, eh? you see animal behavior is firstly the temper is very bad. People whose temper is very, they are very fierce people, uh, gangsters and all that, uh, who like to fight. Uh, they get reborn as dogs and monkeys and all that, where they fight again. Mm-hmm. The second characteristic of an animal uh, is lust, uh, where the lust, uh, sensual desire, is very strong. Uh. So people with this type of characteristics, uh, who are violent and who have great uh, lust or sensual desire, they fall into the animal realm. Uh. And then worse than the animal realm is the hell realm. 
uh, those uh, for those beings uh, who do very great uh, evil uh, who, who harm a lot of people uh, uh, not necessarily a lot of people even if you harm one person uh, uh, to, a, to a very uh, great extent uh, you can also be reborn in hell so these are the five planes of rebirth later books talk about six uh, six realms of rebirth in Chinese they say Liu Tao Lun Hui yes or not? Uh, but actually it's Wu Tao <laughs> in the earliest uh, suttas of the Buddha it's only five later they added the Asura the Asuras are actually heavenly beings uh, uh, this is uh, this is very definite from the Diga Nikaya because in the Diga Nikaya there's one sutta where the Buddha said the lowest kind of uh, Asuras are the Kalakanja Asuras that's in one sutta and in another sutta of the Diga Nikaya the Buddha said one day a lot of devas came to visit him and then he was telling his monks look at this deva so powerful look at that deva and then he mentioned the Kalakanja Asuras also uh, so you see that the Kalakanja Asuras are devas therefore since they are the lowest of the Asuras and therefore all Asuras are devas so uh, not to associate with fools fools who do not are those people who do not know the Dhamma and they do not practice the Dhamma. So when they do not practice the Dhamma, they do a lot of evil deeds. And what are the evil deeds that we can possibly do? The Buddha mentioned that there are ten types of evil deeds that we can possibly do. And these ten deeds are divided into bodily deeds, verbal deeds, and mental deeds or karma. So the body karma that we can do uh, and which is evil, the first one is to kill, kill uh, other living beings. For example, some people who like to go hunting uh, for their, for just to, to have some fun, uh, they are willing to take other beings' lives. Uh, so when they take other beings' lives, uh, sometimes not only that being itself suffers, sometimes other members of that family also suffer. For example, if a person goes uh, hunting uh, and then he sees a fat wild boar and then he shoots the fat wild boar, kills the wild boar. But that wild boar may be suckling ten piglets. Uh, there may be ten uh, babies, uh, baby pigs, uh, waiting for the mother to come and feed them. And then you kill that, that one wild boar and then the ten babies uh, will starve to death. So in fact, you are killing eleven uh, Pigs, so the same with even human beings. Sometimes you kill a man, then the families, the 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 the, the wife and the children suffer. So the first uh, evil deed we can do is killing. The second evil deed we can do with the body is stealing, because we use our hand to steal something. That's a bodily karma. The Buddha taught us that we should keep this precept. <coughs> not to take what does not belong to us what is not given to us sorry what is not given to us we should not take so the third uh, bodily evil that we can do is uh, uh, sexual misconduct that means a person already has a husband or a wife then uh, that person fools around with another man or another woman that is uh, adultery, like sexual misconduct. Uh, and uh, maybe I should mention the consequence of each one of these. If we uh, frequently kill, uh, we shorten other, the lives of other beings, uh, the natural consequence is that we will have short life, uh, either this life itself or the next few lifetimes. Uh. And the second one, when we steal, uh, and then also the retribution uh, is that we get stolen. Sometimes a person may employ a few workers uh, and then the workers tend to steal from the boss. Uh, that's because the boss in the formerly used to also steal. And then the uh, vipaka, the, 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 the kama vipaka, the yen call, the result of uh, adultery uh, is that you will be hated 
you'll be hated and everybody will dislike you. Huh? Uh, <clears throat> and uh, also because if you break up, uh, because of committing adultery, you break up other people's family, then in future also possibly your, when in a future lifetime when you have a family, your family also might be caused to break up. Uh, but that's adultery. So these are the three body karmas, evil karmas that we can do. And how about the verbal karma? <clears throat> verbal karma, there are four types of verbal karma the Buddha warned us uh, to avoid. The first one is lying. Lying. If we lie yeah, and even to the extent of cheating people, uh, then next time also people will lie about us uh, and cheat us. Uh. The second one is to carry tales and cause uh, people to quarrel. For example, you hear A talking bad about B. After hearing from A, you go to B and you tell B, A said, said, said such and such a thing about you. And then B will get very angry and uh, go and quarrel with A. So you cause uh, disharmony, eh? uh, cause people to quarrel. Eh? Uh, that is... Uh, the second type of evil verbal karma. If you do that, the uh, natural consequence is in the future, people will do the same thing to you. Lah. Then number three, the third uh, evil verbal karma is to use cause of harsh speech. Lah. Uh, like some people have a filthy mouth. Eh? Every time they open the mouth, they speak four-letter words and all these things. Eh? Uh, and uh, they talk very rough. Lah. So if you do that, people will have no respect for you. Uh, so in a future lifetime or so, people will have no respect for you and maybe people also will say the same things to you. That is the third evil verbal karma. The fourth evil verbal karma is uh, idle talk, idle gossip. And sometimes we gossip too much eh? and we, we cause problems for people. Eh? Yeah. So... Uh, we, we, then another thing is when we gossip too much, we are wasting our time. Huh? Life is quite uh, short, especially human life huh? is very short. And we have to remember huh, that a lot of our time huh, is spent huh, on necessary things like, you know, like working, sleeping, eating, and then the uh, actual spare time we have left uh, is very little. Uh, in one day, uh, suppose you want to use that spare time uh, to, for example, meditate or learn the Dhamma, you find uh, you don't have very much spare time. Uh. Uh, for most people, say somebody who is working, uh, maybe at the most uh, you have one or two hours a day. So if you go and talk too much, uh, then you'll be wasting a lot of your t precious time, uh, especially if you talk a lot of uh, unnecessary uh, gossip. Huh? And so that is the fourth, fourth type of uh, uh, unskillful verbal karma that we could indulge in. So these are the four uh, verbal karmas, huh? evil verbal karmas we have to avoid. First one is lying. Second one is carrying tales to cause people to quarrel. Third one is harsh speech or coarse speech. Uh, the fourth one is uh, idle gossip. Now, mental karma, there are three types of evil mental karma that we have to avoid. The first one is excessive greed, uh, covetousness, wanting other people's things, uh, to the extent of maybe even wanting other people's husband or other people's wife and all that. Uh, that is uh, covetousness. Then the second uh, evil mental karma is excessive uh, anger or hatred. Uh, you have uh, too much ill will or hatred. Uh, uh, that is also very bad. Uh, some people, they, 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 they seems like they're, they're, they, they have a lot of anger, like always, always uh, having a temper, uh, breaking into a tantrum. So that, that also we want to avoid. That's the second type of uh, mental evil, mental karma. The third one is wrong view, like having wrong view. And in this uh, case, uh, what is this wrong view? 
His wrong view is worldly wrong view. That means not believing in karma. Uh, not believing that doing good uh, uh, will benefit you uh, either this life or a future lifetime. And not believing that uh, doing evil uh, will bring you uh, evil consequence. Uh, so uh, there are some people like that because they don't believe in karma. So they don't like to believe in a future rebirth. They think, oh, after I pass away, uh, no more, nothing left. Uh, don't talk about the next life. There's no next life. Why? Because that person is scared. Scared that if there is such a thing, that person will be reborn in a, a woeful plane of rebirth. So that is the three uh, mental evil karmas. First one is excessive greed or covetousness. The second one, hatred, strong anger or ill will. The third one is wrong view. And uh, not believing in karma, yen uh, call, karma vipaka, karma intentional action and its result. And then with the wise to consort. So who are the wise? The wise is the uh, converse of the foolish. Uh, that is, wise people are those who uh, believe in karma, who understand the dhamma who are practicing the way eh, to lead them to a good rebirth. That means either rebirth in heaven or, if not, eh, at least the human realm eh, and not uh, going to the woeful plains. Eh. So if you associate with the wise, eh, then you will learn the Dhamma from the wise people and then you will learn to practice the Dhamma and you will not regret it in the end. Eh. Uh, life, actually, uh, the Buddha said, uh, life is suffering, dukkha. Now, actually, dukkha and sukkha is just two sides of a coin. Uh, it's just a like black and white. If you have white, uh, you must have black. Uh, if you have black, you must have white. Uh, they come together, they come in a pair, uh, uh, good and bad. Uh. So, <clears throat> Suffering and happiness. Eh? So you see people like fools, eh? they want to have happiness and they, the greed eh, for happiness is so strong eh, that they forget about all other things eh? and they just want to enjoy themselves, even to the extent of harming other people. Eh? They dare to do eh, because they, they, their ego, they are self-centered. Eh? They want to benefit themselves only. Eh? So in the end, they have to suffer. So they enjoy first, and then they suffer in the end. Whereas people who practice the Dhamma, they are willing to forego uh, some of the happiness and even take on a bit of uh, suffering uh, initially uh, because the end result is happiness. Right? Uh, now people like monks, uh, we are willing to forego some of our worldly happiness uh, <coughs> and uh, in a way... Uh, suffer a bit more uh, materially, material-wise uh, compared with worldly people because we know in the end uh, we will have more happiness uh, than worldly people. So you have to choose whether you want happiness first or you want happiness in the end. <laughs> and then number three, to honor those worthy of honor. Uh, those worthy of honor, those worthy of honor are those People uh, like your parents, your elders, monks and nuns, teachers, etc. Uh, these are said to be those worthy of honor. <coughs> now, so if we if we honor those worthy of honor, next time now uh, when uh, this uh, karma ripens, uh, uh, people will also honor us. Uh, uh, for example, you see, in this world, uh, people are all born differently. There are some people born in a very low family where people look down on them. Uh, uh, that's probably because in the previous life, uh, they look down on others. Uh, they are not respectful of those worthy of respect. So they have to learn, learn this lesson. So that's why they are reborn in a low 
station of life where people look down on them. Whereas other people who are very respectful uh, of those worthy of respect and all that, they may be reborn like to be somebody like Princess Elizabeth, uh, now Queen Elizabeth, uh, and the royal family where people are very respectful towards them. Uh, they have a very good rebirth. Uh, that's probably because they are worthy of that, that kind of uh, honor. Now the, the next advice the Buddha said, uh, living in suitable places, in the past we have made punya or merit, and with oneself rightly guided or directed, this is the highest blessing. Now living in suitable places, this is, a, is, is in what sense is a place suitable? Uh, in the sense here, it is in a sense that a suitable place uh, is a place where you can learn the Dhamma, you can practice the Dhamma, uh, and that is a suitable place. La. Like here in Ipoh, uh, it can be said to be a suitable place uh, because you have uh, people to teach you the Dhamma and also you can practice the Dhamma in the sense of going to uh, do uh, dana uh, offerings to a monk and then you can uh, keep your precepts uh, you can either keep the precepts in the Buddhist society or you can go to a monastery to keep the precepts and you can hear the Dhamma you can learn meditation etc uh, that is said to be a suitable place. La. In this world you find, uh, in this whole world, uh, there are not very many places uh, where you can learn the Dhamma and practice the Dhamma, right? Uh, if you look at this whole world, uh, how many places are there where you can hear the Dhamma and learn the Dhamma and practice the Dhamma so that you walk the good way and bring you to a good rebirth? Um, not many places. For example, if you go to Africa, you find such a large continent of Africa, there's hardly any place eh, where you can find some monk, eh, some monastery to learn the Dhamma from, right? Uh, so, if you stay in a suitable place eh, where you can learn the Dhamma, then you are very lucky. In the past, to have made merit of Punya, uh, this is another blessing. Uh, if in the past life, eh, you had done merit, uh, you had uh, done good, uh, then this life you will reap the result. Uh, that you can see. Uh, uh, if you, for example, now, uh, I think all of you here are fairly okay uh, in terms of you get uh, enough to eat, you have, uh, most of you have your own house, uh, uh, many of you have cars to drive, <clears throat> and then you are able to come here to learn the Dhamma, you can practice the Dhamma. That means compared with a lot of people in the world, eh, you are very fortunate. So it must be eh, that in the past you have done a lot of merit. Eh. That is why now you are blessed with good fortune in this lifetime. And with oneself rightly guided or rightly directed, this Atta Sama Panidi. <clears throat> this one right with oneself rightly directed uh, that means you are walking the right way uh, you are walking the right way that means you are not walking the way that will bring you to a woeful plane of rebirth uh, that is a that is the highest blessing so I think all of you here uh, you are learning the Dhamma uh, definitely you are walking uh, you are rightly directed uh, rightly guided uh. Uh, so that is a very great blessing. Now the next one is Bahu Sachancha Sipancha. This Bahu Sacha, the first word. Uh, Bahu means much or much or many. Uh. Sacha is truth. Uh. This word Bahu Sacha is equivalent to another word Bahu Sutta. Sutta is hearing. That means much hearing. This this one is much of the truths. That means it also means much hearing of the truths. These two words are equivalent, Bahu Sutta and Bahu Sacha. It means much learning of the Dhamma because Sacha is the truths, the four noble truths, that type of truth. So you have much learning or you have much, uh, much knowledge of the Dhamma. 
much knowledge of the Dhamma, that is a very great blessing. If you have much knowledge of the Dhamma, you will, you are definitely walking the right way. Uh, that will lead you to happiness, not only this life, in the future life also. The second word is Sipancha. Sipancha is general knowledge. Uh, sometimes here they translate it as handicraft. Uh, I think it's more of general knowledge. Uh, so you have general knowledge also is beneficial uh, in life. Uh, the more we know, uh, the better. And then, uh, being well trained and disciplined. And that speech which is well spoken, this is the highest blessing. So, well trained and disciplined, that means you are a disciplined person. Uh, if a disciplined person, that is a very great blessing. A lot of people are not disciplined. Not disciplined. When you are not disciplined, uh, then sometimes they say fang pian. It's not fang pian, it becomes sui pian. Uh, you do what you like. Uh, uh, you just follow your moods. Uh, uh. The Buddha said, if a person is diligent, uh, if a person is hardworking, I think it's one in, in the Diga Nikaya, Sigalo Vada Sutta. Buddha said, if a person is hardworking, uh, and the Buddha said, hardworking or diligence uh, is the one quality uh, that will benefit you this lifetime and the future lifetime. Because some, I think some deva asked the Buddha, is there one thing that will benefit us this life and future lifetime? The Buddha said, yes. What is that one thing? Diligence. Hard working. Uh, having a, a lot of energetic effort. Uh. So, <clears throat> uh, if you are hard working, uh, then uh, you will benefit yourself this lifetime and another lifetime. And in this Sigalo Vada Sutta, the Buddha said, if a person is diligent, uh, he won't say, uh, I won't do this work because the weather is too cold or the weather is too hot or because uh, I'm hungry or I'm too full. <laughs> if you are not hardworking, you are lazy, uh, you give all kinds of excuses uh, not to push yourself uh, to do some something. Uh, but if you are hardworking, uh, then uh, uh, all these conditions doesn't matter. You want to do something, you just go ahead and do it. So, uh, that is a kind of person who is disciplined. And a person is dis disciplined, uh, then uh, you benefit yourself uh, a lot. Hmm? You can easily see from our younger days, uh, those, those of us uh, who studied very hard, uh, they... Uh, do well in the exam and all that uh, because they put in a lot of effort uh, uh, they are disciplined and then that speech which is well spoken Subhasita Chayavacha <clears throat> this uh, speech which is well spoken that means uh, well spoken that means uh, when you speak to somebody uh, you use that kind of speech uh, which doesn't hurt that person too much uh, and the person feels grateful to you uh, for having uttered that speech uh. Uh, sometimes if we speak some words, uh, sometimes uh, not well spoken, uh, that people will get angry with us. Uh, instead of thanking us uh, for giving, giving them that advice, uh, sometimes they get angry. Uh, so if you uh, use speech which is well spoken, uh, uh, that is a great blessing. Uh. The Buddha said uh, there are a few characteristics of good speech. Uh. One is uh, it must be beneficial to that person. Uh. Uh, not harmful. Secondly, the speech must be truthful, uh, not a lie. Thirdly, the speech must be uh, uh, the speech uh, is given at the right time. Uh, at the right time. Sometimes, so, so when, when a person is very angry, uh, and then that is not the right time uh, to give advice. Uh, when that person has calmed down, uh, then you give advice, then that person would accept. So the timing is also very important. Uh, fourthly, uh, uh, when we speak, uh, the words must be gentle. Uh, sometimes we may give good, might give good advice, uh, but we give it in a very harsh way, uh, in a very fierce way. Uh, people may not accept. Uh, so we uh, give it in a gentle way. Uh, that's the fourth. Uh, the fifth one, the Buddha said, uh, when we uh, utter something, uh, we have a mind with a mind of loving kindness. Uh, 
it comes with a loving heart. Then people would also recognize that. So these are the five qualities of good speech. The first one is beneficial. Second one is truthful. Third one is spoken at the right time. Fourth one <coughs> is spoken gently. The fifth one is spoken with a mind of loving kindness. Then after that, support of mother and father, cherishing, uh, no, looking after mother and father, support of wife and children, ways of work without conflict, this is the highest blessing. Now this looking after mother and father, this uh, every one of us, uh, uh, I think we recognize that this is very important. Uh, because uh, in our Buddhist tradition, uh, uh, looking after our parents uh, is... Uh, uh, it's a responsibility uh, that everybody should uh, should to to take care of, uh, because our parents looked after us when we were young. Many times when we were sick, uh, when we were young, uh, you know, our parents didn't take the extra care to look after us. Uh, would have, we would have died many many times, uh, but because our parents' uh, loving care, uh, we survived. Uh. So now when they are old. Uh, we have to look after them. And this is simple gratitude. If a person has no gratitude to his mother and father, then that person is not behaving like a human being. They might not get back a human body in future. The support of wife and children, that also is a family responsibility. If a person is not responsible to the family, then that person is also uh, inviting a lot of problem. Probably many of you know uh, recently there was this incident in Bido, I heard, uh, where the man stabbed the wife to death and stabbed his children also because the wife was unfaithful and this man was working very hard in Singapore but the wife was flirting around. So that's this is the version I heard. Uh, so he came back and then uh, so angry and he killed the wife. So uh, a person who has a family, yeah, uh, Either it doesn't matter whether it's the husband or the wife, uh, both of them have responsibility to each other and to the children. Sometimes I've seen uh, husband and wife break up, and then the one who suffers most uh, is the children. Uh, I've seen with my own eyes sometimes because husband and wife they break up. Uh, the, the 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 child is very psychologically disturbed. Uh, becomes nervous, you know, becomes very nervous because he loves both the mother and the father. Now they quarrel and fight. Huh? He doesn't know which side to take. Huh? Then we use a work without conflict. Huh? Uh, in our working life, huh? if we have the type of work huh, which does not conflict with others, huh? uh, that is the best. Huh? If we have conflict with others, uh, when we do work, huh? like for example, uh, some officers, uh, there's a lot of politics, huh? they say, uh, uh, and that is not good. Huh? backstabbing and all that. We create a lot of uh, uh, unpleasant uh, karma and then next time you will ripen. Uh, so uh, work without conflict uh, is, uh, is also a very high blessing. Then giving and conduct according to Dhamma and support for relatives with unobstructive karma, this is the highest blessing. Giving is dana, giving or charity. Uh, charity uh, and conduct according to Dhamma. Conduct according to Dhamma, that means uh, we conduct ourselves uh, uh, according to Dhamma. Uh, we accord with Dhamma. Uh, simply put, uh, this is also like keeping sila. Uh, this one, dana and sila. These, these two qualities are very, very important. Why? Because in one sutta, the Buddha said uh, that if a person... Uh, keeps these two, does these two, uh, a very minimum, uh, charity and keeping precepts. Uh. When we keep precepts, uh, basically we are not harming other living beings. Uh. And the basic precepts uh, that we should uphold every day uh, is the five precepts, pancha sila. First one, not to kill other living beings intentionally. Uh. Second one, not to take what is not given to us. Or you could say not to steal. Third one is not to commit adultery. Fourth one is not to lie. The fifth one is not to take uh, liquor or drugs, etc. So that we are out of control of ourselves. So the Buddha said, uh, so this is, uh, it is sila. 
Maka Buddha said If we do this charity And keeping precepts uh, To a very low degree lah, Very minimum uh, Then at least uh, We come back In the next rebirth uh, Very probably With a human body uh, But We will have Not much luck uh, Person with not much luck uh, If fine You want to get a living also Susah a bit uh, Hard to get a living And all that uh, uh. And then the Buddha said If we keep uh, if we uh, do these two things, uh, charity and keeping the precepts uh, to a medium degree, uh, uh, we will very likely come back uh, in the next rebirth uh, as a human being with uh, a lot of good luck. Uh, with a Thai folk, they say, uh, a lot of good luck. You find uh, you can easily uh, become rich uh, as such a person. Uh, and then the Buddha said, if we do these two things, charity and sila, to a high degree uh, Very well uh, Then we will very likely uh, be Get a heavenly rebirth uh, We will be reborn as a heavenly being uh, Where we will enjoy ourselves uh, For millions and millions of years uh. Uh, So From here you can see uh, That if a person does not do these two things at all uh, Charity and sila uh, That person won't come back as a human being or as a deva, that person will be reborn in the woeful plains. Lah. Person without any uh, merit at all lah, uh, will be born as a ghost. And if the person does, is very fierce and very lustful, might be reborn as an animal. And then if the person commits some heavy crime, lah, serious crime, lah, on top of that, person may be reborn in hell. Lah. Uh, so these two things uh, are very basic uh, If we want a good rebirth like Charity and keeping the precepts uh, Especially the five uh, Basically the five precepts at least uh. And then support for relatives Relatives uh, we should try to support uh, As the English saying goes uh, Blood is thicker than water uh, uh, when, Because relatives are close to us from young uh, so, uh, if we are not close to them, uh, if we have any trouble, they won't support us. Uh, so, uh, we should start uh, by being uh, close to our relatives. Then, after that, uh, you may have good friends uh, where you want to be very close to. Uh, but at least for uh, relatives, if we make the effort uh, to be nice to them, uh, people will respond. They will also be nice to you. Uh, but I know some people, uh, very sadly, uh, their own brothers and sisters, they don't treat like brother and sisters. Uh, but they expect other people, their the, the brothers and sisters to treat them like brother and sister. Uh, so, you don't treat your own brother and sisters uh, as brother and sister. How can you expect them to reciprocate? Uh? And then, unobstructive karma. Unobstructive karma, that means that karma, the action you do, uh, that will not obstruct you in future. Uh, so if you don't want this uh, this uh, this uh, obstructive karma in the future, then you don't do that evil karma now. No? Uh, just now I mentioned the ten evil karmas uh, that you should not do uh, that would ob uh, obstruct you in future. First one is not to kill, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to lie, not to carry tales to make people quarrel, not to speak harsh or coarse speech. Not to engage in idle gossip, not to be excessively greedy or covetousness, covetous, and then not to have too much hatred or anger, and then lastly to have uh, not to uh, 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 not to have a wrong view. That means to have right view, uh, right understanding of karma. This is unobstructive karma. Uh. Then after that, aversion and abstinence from evil, restrain from intoxicants, heedfulness in all that is Dhamma. This is the highest blessing. Uh, this one, abstinence from evil or aversion from evil. If we have aversion for evil, then we won't do evil. Huh? And then we will abstain from evil. The Buddha said, huh, if we do good, huh, we should also encourage other people to do good. In that way, you get more blessings. And then you should also the praise, praise the doing of good. And then uh, praise the doing of good. And then support other people to do good. 
So the reverse is also the same. So if we have aversion towards evil, we should also encourage other people not to do evil and then condemn the doing of evil and then support people from not doing evil. Because when we do evil, we are reborn in the woeful pains of rebirth. Then restrain from intoxicants. These intoxicants, especially liquor, the standard for lay people uh, is that is not that you cannot drink at all. Uh, the word is that uh, is intoxicating. If you drink to the extent that you become intoxicated, that is bad. Then uh, what you should not say, sometimes you say. What you should not do, you do. Right? Uh, so because you are not in control of yourself. But for lay people, uh, sometimes some people have to entertain customers and all that. Uh, bring them. Uh, out at night and all that. Uh. If you have to drink, uh, then only drink the minimum so that you are not intoxicated. Uh. And heedfulness in all that is Dhamma. That means to be heedful of the Dhamma all the time. Uh. Whatever actions we do, uh, always remember the Dhamma. We get our guidance from the Dhamma. Uh. Now that the Buddha is no more with us, the Buddha said, uh, his Dhamma body is still with us. Uh. Uh. So we should uh, consider the Dhamma as the Buddha's, uh, the inheritance from the Buddha. And that is our guidance uh, uh, in whatever we do. Uh. Then respectfulness and humility, contentment and gratitude, the timely hearing of the Dhamma, this is the highest blessing. Uh, respectfulness uh, uh, is the same just now as honoring the, those worthy of on, honor. Uh. That means we are respectful of those worthy of respect. Uh. And humility. Humility also is a very good quality to cultivate because if we forget, we tend to be big-headed. So we always remember the way of the Dhamma. This kind of advice is telling us it's better to be humble than to be arrogant. And then contentment. Contentment is another quality that we have to cultivate. Contentment doesn't come from getting a lot. Some people think, oh, if I make uh, one million dollars, uh, he should be content. After he makes one million, uh, he is thinking of ten million already, right? Uh, so there is never uh, enough. Uh, there is never enough in, in this world. Uh. So we have to learn to be content. Uh. Uh, whatever comes our way, uh, we should remember uh, that is our. We have like our destiny uh, in a way because uh, it is all because of past life. Uh that what we get now is because of our past life actions. So we cannot grumble. <laughs> we cannot say this world is not fair because what you get now is due to your actions in the past. And gratitude, we, this gratitude is, is one of the qualities which is hard to find in the world. The Buddha said difficult to find in the world are people who are grateful. Uh, sometimes you help somebody, then after that, that person doesn't remember you at all. Uh, so, if we want people to be grateful to us, we must also be grateful to those people who have helped us. Uh, so, we have to cultivate this gratitude. And gratitude begins with our parents. Uh, uh. Timely hearing of the Dhamma. Hearing of the Dhamma is very important. The Buddha said these two, hearing of the Dhamma and discussing the Dhamma. We hear the Dhamma, sometimes certain points we don't understand very well. When we discuss with other people, we understand better. Patience and obedience or meekness when corrected. The sight of samanas, timely discussion of the Dhamma, this is the highest blessing. Patience or forbearance huh, is another very good quality, Ren. Chinese is Ren Yan. This one I think you all know. Whatever happens, we have to bear, we have to be patient. If we understand the working of Kama, sometimes we are very unhappy also, we must understand this is the working of Kama, so we have to bear it. And then obedience when corrected or meekness when corrected. Actually, if somebody tells us our faults, uh, we should be very grateful to that person. So sometimes there are some people when you tell them their faults, uh, uh, many of us, uh, including myself when I was young, uh, when somebody tells me my fault, I can never accept it. And later I realized, why am I grumbling so much? Actually, sometimes other people can see our fault better than us. You know? 
because of our ego, uh, very often we don't want to acknowledge our weaknesses. Uh, but after some time, you will see uh, actually some some of our faults uh, we don't see so well. When other people correct us, uh, we should be accepted. At least uh, we listen, uh, we listen, and then think about it uh, whether it's right or not. Then the sight of samanas, that means seeing of monks. Uh, samanas here refers to monks uh, or renunciants. Uh, this is a blessing if you have the uh, a chance uh, to see monks. Uh, uh, as I said, in this world, uh, there are not many places uh, where you can see monks. And uh, when you can see, when you get the sight of monks, uh, that means you also get a chance to hear the Dhamma. Uh, that's why uh, the sight of Samanas uh, is a blessing. Also, because monks are renunciants, uh, if you have an opportunity to do dana to monks, uh, that also is a blessing. Then timely discussion of Dhamma, just now I mentioned, uh, Hearing of Dhamma and discussion of Dhamma is important. Ardent effort, the holy life leading, insight into the noble truths and the realization of Nibbana. This is the highest blessing. This one, ardent effort, uh, is sauhang. Uh, sauhang is uh, ardent effort uh, in practicing the holy life. Uh, and then the holy life leading, uh, leading the holy life or living the holy life. Uh, that means... Uh, uh, you can either be a monk or nun, or there are some people uh, they cultivate at home uh, and they, they, they practice the holy life at home. Uh, during the Buddha's time, there were many lay people uh, who attained the third stage of sainthood, uh, aryahood, uh, by practicing at home. Insight into the noble truths. Uh, if you study the Dhamma and then you meditate, uh, these are the two important things uh, that will give you insight into the noble truths. Uh, and then uh, you will be slowly freed from samsara, the round of rebirths. And the realization of Nibbana, this is the highest blessing. Of course, realizing Nibbana, attaining Arahanthood, uh, is the highest blessing. Though in contact with worldly dhammas, yet his mind is not shaken, griefless, dustless, secure. This is the highest blessing. Uh, if you practice the dhamma and then you meditate, uh, if your mind is strong, uh, then uh, when you are in contact with worldly dhammas, uh, the mind is not shaken. Uh, the mind is easily shaken uh, when the mind is not concentrated, when the mind is scattered. Uh, uh, and then uh, outside things uh, can shake us easily. But when we are concentrated uh, and we learn to concentrate the mind, uh, the mind becomes very tranquil uh, and is not easily shaken. Then uh, that kind of mind uh, slowly becomes griefless, dustless, secure. This is the highest blessing. Since by doing such things as these, men are everywhere unvanquished and go everywhere in safety, this is the highest blessing. So when we cultivate all these things, uh, and we get to the highest stage, uh, which is Nibbana, then everywhere we go, uh, nothing can defeat us, uh, and we can go everywhere in safety, uh, and this is the highest blessing. One thing about going everywhere in safety, the Buddha said, uh, we should have a lot of metta in us, loving-kindness. If we have loving-kindness with us, uh, wherever we go, uh, these unseen beings, uh, heavenly beings and ghosts, uh, they will not harm us. Uh, but if you, don't, you have a lot of anger, uh, you don't have enough metta, uh, then sometimes you go certain places, uh, spirits can disturb us. Uh. So it's always good to have a lot of loving-kindness inside us. Uh, wherever we go, uh, we try to tell all these beings around us uh, and wish them well, everything, uh, and then uh, they will protect us rather than harm us. This question here is about the middle path. Uh. This middle path uh, is mentioned in the first sutta, the Dhamma, Chakka Pavatana Sutta that the Buddha spoke. And in there, the Buddha talked about two extremes. And the two extremes mentioned by the Buddha, one was sensual enjoyment. The other one was uh, self-inflicted pain, like some of these uh, ascetics used to practice, uh, where they uh, beat themselves or they stand uh, the whole day whole night they stand uh, without without lying down, without sitting, etc. 
So this kind of self-inflicted penance eh, was one extreme. The other one was sensual enjoyment. Then the Buddha said, without going to these two extremes, this is the middle path. And what is that middle path? The Aryan Eightfold Path is the middle path. It is not the middle path in in the worldly sense. Eh. Why? Because it is not like... Uh, in certain things, uh, you could say the Buddha was extreme uh, in the sense uh, of, uh, for example, like uh, uh, keeping the precepts purely. The Buddha was, which could say, in certain ways uh, quite extreme, uh, right? And that kind of extremism is, in the worldly sense, is extreme. Uh, but in the sense of the in the sense of Buddha's teaching, it was not extreme because it leads you to happiness later. You see, so it's not the middle path. Huh, is not huh, and in the middle way of everything. You know, the middle path is actually the noble eightfold path, not in the sense of other things. Now you could say, uh, uh, not eating huh, at all huh, is one extreme. Huh. Eating 20 times a day is another extreme. So I will take the middle path, I will eat 10 times a day. That is not, that is not the Buddha's middle path. So you see, like the Buddha, he advised his monks huh, to eat only in the morning. At first, the Buddha was quite relaxed, you know, initially when he started accepting disciples. He never made any precepts.